Most of us are born hearing well, but all of us have to learn to listen well. Hearing is a natural function of the human body, but listening is a skill that must be developed. Dr. Ralph Nichols, believed by many to be an authority on the subject, believes that we listen four to five times faster than we talk. That means if an average speaker utters about 125 words per minute, the audience listens at 500 words per minute. Now the difference between the two offers a pretty strong temptation for the audience to take some mental excursions. To look around and see who else may be in church today. To think about what we did yesterday or to plan what we might be doing tomorrow. To worry about some problem that we are working our way through. And then after all that, to check back in again with the speaker and pick it right up where we left off. (laughs) Research from the University of Minnesota reveals that in listening to a 10-minute talk, Hearers operate at only 28% efficiency. And the longer somebody talks, the less we actually understand. The less we track with our ears what somebody is saying with their mouth. As a matter of fact, statistics show that the average hearer loses 95% of what he or she has heard within 72 hours after They have heard it. (laughs) Now folks, that's a pretty frightening statistic for somebody like me (laughs) who preaches and teaches. I spend hours prayerfully preparing something of value to share with you on Sunday knowing that by Wednesday you will only retain 5% (laughs) of what I shared. Which brings up A seldom mentioned secret to a good sermon. Aside from the Holy Spirit's role in the process of preaching, and I certainly don't want to minimize that role, there are two crucial ingredients to make a sermon work. The one who speaks must speak well. And the one who listens must listen well. All of which leads us to our text this morning. As we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of James, how do I? We come today to James 1, verses 19 through 27. Here in these verses, James answers the question, how do I listen to the Bible? He offers instruction on how to become a better listener. Whether we're listening to a sermon as we are right now, or we're studying the Bible together in a group, such as a small group Bible study, or we're reading through the Bible on our own, such as in our daily quiet time. However it is that we are listening to the Bible, here is some practical down-to-earth advice that we can all take to heart to become better listeners. Follow along in your Bible as I read today's text. James chapter 1, we pick it up with verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. 
Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. How do I listen to the Bible? Well, it seems to me that James' advice on how to be a better listener involves these three steps. Step number one, we must be ready before we listen. We must be ready before we listen. The first thing James addresses is what to do before we listen. Verse 19 begins, My dear brothers, take note of this. (laughs) Now I love James. (laughs) And the more that you hear me preach and teach, the more you'll realize how often I say things like, if you don't hear anything else, Listen to this, or whatever you do, don't miss this, or write this down, or underline this, or circle that. And that's exactly what James is saying right here. He's a guy after my own heart. (laughs) My dear brothers, take note of this. In verses 19 through 21, James tells us there are four basic attitudes every listener must have in order to be properly prepared, ready to listen to the Bible. First, we must be concentrated. We must be concentrated. Verse 19 continues everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. I like the way the message paraphrases it. Lead with your ears. <laughs> Follow with your tongue. And so many times we get that reverse, don't we? <laughs> We're quick to speak and slow to listen. We lead with our mouth and follow with our ears. You ever notice how hard it is, by the way, to really listen to someone else when you are talking? I mean, that's James' point. We cannot concentrate on listening if we ourselves are talking. When our mouths are working, you can bet that our ears are not. And God, by the way, gave us two ears and one mouth. Do the math. (laughs) We ought to listen twice as much as what we speak. Now, in order to be a better listener, we need to concentrate. Then We need to focus. We need to zero in on the Bible. We, we must put aside all the other things that might distract us from what is most important at that moment, and that's listening to God. I mean, think about it. When we're listening to the Bible, we are listening to God Himself. Whoa. 
God desires our undivided attention. And so to be ready to listen, first, we must be concentrated. Second, we must be calm. We must be calm. Today's text continues in verses 19 and 20. And slow to become angry, for a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. By the way, this word anger here comes from a word that originally referred to the whole spectrum of one's natural disposition or emotions. It's a word that talks about our impulsive response to the pressures we face in life. In other words, we're not just talking about anger in the sense of being mad at somebody. We're talking about all the things that happen to us in life and how we respond to them. The frustration, the anxiety, the worry that we go through. The word that we use most often today is the word stress. Anybody here know anything about stress? The fact is we don't listen well when we're weighed down and distracted by the pressures of our hectic life. And James is telling us here, slow down, be calm, take a deep breath. In fact, let's do that right now. Would you be with me? I want you to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Let's all do it together. Ready? Doesn't that feel good? We don't do that. Often enough. In our fast-paced lives, we're rushing here and there and everywhere. Read Psalm 46 and verse 10 out loud with me. Let's read this together. Be still and know that I am God. That word, be still, right there, is a word that literally means to quit striving. Quit fighting. Calm down. Take a deep breath. We must be still in order to hear God's voice. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a hard one for me. (laughs) I'm a busy, always moving, striving person, and it's hard for me to sit still and be quiet. And James is reminding me and you that if we're going to be good listeners, if we're going to be able to hear God's voice, then we must be calm. Third, We must be clean. We must be clean. James continues in verse 21, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. The the Living Bible paraphrases it. So get rid of all that is wrong in your life, both inside and outside. Now by the way, I, I don't want to gross you out here, but it's interesting to me that this word filth in its origin referred to earwax. Isn't that interesting? I think James chose that word for a reason. You know that gunky, yellow, chunky stuff that you get out with a Q-tip? You're not supposed to use a Q-tip. Sorry, Dr. Espinosa. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. I mean, what a word picture. James is saying that we need to get rid of the filth. The earwax, the gunk, that's blocking our hearing. If there is any unconfessed sin in our lives, it's going to make it difficult, if not impossible, for us to hear God. And that's why it's so important for us to confess our unconfessed sin and to come clean with God before we ever listen. 1 John 1 and verse 9 tells us if we freely admit that we have sinned, we find God 
utterly reliable and straightforward. He forgives our sins and makes us thoroughly clean from all that is evil. Before we can listen to Scripture, we must first come clean. It's a, it's a vital step in getting ready to fully hear God's voice. And the fourth attitude to help us be ready to listen is that we must be compliant. We must be compliant. Verse 21 concludes, "...and humbly accept the Word planted in you which can save you." William Barclay translates it this way, "...in a teachable spirit you must receive implanted in your heart the Word which is able to save your soul." Interesting that James uses an agricultural word here. He says that the Word, the Bible, is to be planted in our hearts. It's interesting to me how many times that the Bible refers to the spoken and the written Word of God as seed. You ever think about that? The Bible is a seed, and that seed needs to be planted in the soil of our hearts. Now perhaps the greatest example of that in the Bible would be the parable of the sower, we call it, in Matthew chapter 13. Remember that story that Jesus told of the farmer who sowed seed and how the seed fell on different kinds of soil. And only one of those four kinds of soil was productive. Why? Nothing wrong with the seed. You with me? The seed was the same. Nothing different there. The difference was in the soil. Which is, by the way, why I like to call that parable the parable of the soils rather than the parable of the sower. You see, the soil, our hearts, have to be fertile and, and ready to receive that Word, God's Word, the seed, so that it can be planted and germinate and grow and produce in us what God wants it to produce. As we prepare ourselves to listen to the Bible, we need to come with a compliant attitude. We need to say yes to what God is going to teach us even before we read or listen to what it is He has to say. I actually recommend, if you've never tried this before, before you open your Bible and read it, to just simply pray the prayer, yes. Yes. God, yes. I agree. Whatever it is you're going to teach me today, whatever it is you're going to say, I just want you to know I'm on board with you. I agree with you and I want to say yes. And then, <laughs> read. And then listen to what God has to say. And so, we must be ready before we listen to the Bible. We must prepare ourselves to be good listeners. And that involves at least these four attitudes. We must be concentrated, we must be calm, we must be clean, and we must be compliant. The first step to listening to the Bible is that we must be ready before we listen. Step number two, we must be reflective while we listen. We must be reflective while we listen. Take another look with me at verses 23 and 24 there in your Bible. Follow along as I read it. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And so you see, James tells us that the Bible, God's Word is like a mirror. And when we look into the mirror of Scripture, we see a reflection of our true self. 
By the way, what's the purpose of a mirror? Evaluation. I mean, think about it. We look into a mirror to evaluate ourselves. We get up in the morning, we flip on the bathroom light, we look into the mirror, oh my. (laughs) This is going to take some work. (laughs) Our hair is wild, we got sleepy in our eyes, there's wrinkles on our face from the pillow. Man, i got a lot of work to do. And that's the point. We look into a mirror to see a reflection of ourselves so that we can get to work. We can make the adjustments that need to be made to our physical self. And the same is true with God's Word. When we look into the mirror of the Bible in order to see what adjustments need to be made to our spiritual self. Now while we're looking in the mirror of Scripture, there are two practical reminders that James gives us here in verse 25. First of all, we must be committed We must be committed. Look at the first part of verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Notice those words, looks intently. Literally, to stoop down and look in. It's the same word, by the way, that's used to Peter when he went to the empty tomb on Resurrection Sunday. It says that he got there and he stooped down and he looked in. It's a word that means to personally investigate, to thoroughly research something, to make careful examination of something. You see, there are two ways. There are two ways that we look into a mirror. We can glance or we can gaze. Think about it. We can either give a passing casual glance at the mirror or we can stop and intently gaze into the mirror. And the picture in verses 23 and 24 here is of someone who is merely glancing, catching only a glimpse of his or her reflection and walking away forgetting what he or she looked like. But the picture here in verse 25 is of someone who is gazing, someone who is taking the time to thoroughly study and and to completely evaluate what he or she sees reflected in the mirror. And so the question that James wants us to answer is, are we glancing at the Bible or are we gazing at the Bible? Are we a glancer or are we a gazer? And what differentiates between the two? Commitment. (laughs) It takes commitment, a time and effort to gaze, to look intently, to investigate, to research, to carefully and prayerfully reflect. That's why we encourage you to be fully engaged, even here on Sunday morning when you are listening to God's spoken or written Word. We encourage you to open your Bible and follow along as we are reading and studying together. We encourage you to take your notes out and jot down a few notes, some blanks to fill in and some other notes that you might take. We, we want you to join with us in reading some Scriptures out loud together. We watch topic-related video clips. We ask for a response at the end of the sermon. I always do. So what are you going to take home with you? What's your response today? Why do we do that? Because I want you to be a gazer, not a glancer. Gazing, reflection, takes commitment. Second, James reminds us that we must be consistent. Verse 25 goes on to say, and continues to do this. 
J.B. Phillips translates it and makes a habit of doing so. In other words, we must be consistent in our habit of gazing intently at the mirror of God's Word. Let me ask you a question. How often do you look in a mirror? Yeah, at least once a day, right? Will you give me that? I mean, guarantee you that every one of us looks into the mirror at least once a day. Everyone gets up in the morning, looks into the mirror, and we do so because we don't want to head out of the house looking like we do when we first wake up. Why then would we want to look into the mirror physically to help us face each day and not look into the mirror spiritually to help us face each day? And the point is, we look into a mirror at least once a day. Most of us look into a mirror several times a day. Should we not also look intently into the mirror of the Bible at least once, if not several times, every day as well? In fact, I'd like to suggest that we get into the habit of consistently gazing into the mirror of God's Word several times throughout the day. How do we do that? Well, let me give you some practical suggestions. On your way out this morning, as we do every morning during this series, you can pick up some study sheets to help you this next week in your own quiet time to spend some time. This time the handout on the table back there is for next week's sermon, James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, how do I treat people properly? And you can camp out this next week in advance of next Sunday's sermon in the text and you can answer some questions and reflect and journal on those study sheets. That's a way to get you into the Word every day. Another thing I encourage you to do, these sermon notes that you're taking right now, you know how to best use them? I don't think I've talked about this very much. The best way to use those is before you go to bed tonight, run back through and do a quick review of those notes. I tell you, if you do that tonight before you go to bed, don't wait till tomorrow. Do it tonight before you go to bed. If you do that, I will guarantee you'll remain, you'll retain more than 5% by Wednesday. And in fact, it may lead you to do a little more digging on your own. As you take those sermon notes, you might want to look up some of those scriptures on your own and kind of just reinforce what you learned this morning. It's called meditation. That's what the Bible calls it. Or how about listening to the Bible on your MP3 player or on a CD in your car or at home? It's a whole lot better than having a television on the background. <laughs> And there's lots of ways you can listen to the Bible nowadays for free. Are you familiar with version? Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. Look it up on the internet. You can download a free app to your iPhone, to your iPad, your MP3 player, and you can listen to the Bible in a whole bunch of versions. They actually will read it to you. There are Bible reading plans in there. I use it all the time. It's the way I do my quiet time. You version. I also encourage you to use scripture memory cards. <laughs> I think I've talked to some of you about this before. This is the verse I'm memorizing this week. James 1 and verse 25. <laughs> Sound familiar? But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do so, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Now how do you use these? Well, what else do you do when you're sitting at a red light? 
number one thing, according to research, is you pick your nose, but we won't go into that one. That's true. <laughs> I probably didn't need to share that fact. It'd be a whole lot better if you had a scripture memory card sitting on the sheet that you could look at or tape to your dash. What do you do when you're waiting in line at the bank? What do you do when you're in the doctor's office waiting to see the doctor or the dentist? Do you read those four-year-old magazines, really? Carry one of these with you. You can spend some time memorizing Scripture. Now, I could go on and on, I suppose. But simply put, we mean to make every effort to look into the mirror of God's Word as many times as possible each and every day. And so second, James tells us to be a better listener. We must be reflective. Here's what we do while we are listening to the Bible. We must be committed and we must be consistent. Step number three. We must be responsive after we listen. We must be responsive after we listen. First, we, we must be ready before we listen. Second, we must be reflective while we listen. The third thing James tells us is what to do after we listen to the Bible. We must be responsive. And the key verse here, I think, is verse 22. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Good news puts it this way. Do not deceive yourselves by merely listening to His Word. Instead, put it into practice. The message paraphrases, don't fool yourself into thinking you're a listener when you are anything but letting the Word go in one ear and out the other. Act upon what you hear. You see, the bottom line here is pretty obvious, and that is we must be changed. We must do what the Bible says. We must put what we listen to to into practice. We must live it. We must flesh it out in our lives. By the way, this word listen here in verse 22 is the same word that we would translate audit. I find that interesting. Let's go back and look at verse 22 once again. We'll plug in the word audit instead. Look at it there in your Bible. It says, do not merely audit the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. (laughs) Do you ever audit a class in college? I mean, when you audit a class, what do you do? Nothing! (laughs) Let's be honest. When you audit a class, you do nothing. There are no tests. There are no papers that are due. And so you're not held responsible for whether or not you learn anything at all. You just come and you sit through class. The information can go in one ear and out the other. And no one even cares. Honestly, you don't even care (laughs) when you audit a class. And what James is saying here is, don't audit the Bible. Hear me on this. We are taking God's Word 101 for credit. And by the way, it counts. And yes, there will be a test. In fact, there is a test. Each and every day of our lives as we are living out what the Bible teaches, we are being tested. Now the truth is, we already know a whole lot more than we're putting into practice. Would you agree with me? I mean, are we doing everything that we know to do? No. 
We know a whole lot more than we do. And to illustrate that, James gives us three practical examples right here in verses 26 and 27. In verse 26, he talks about a controlled mouth. In the first part of verse 27, he talks about a caring heart. And in the last part of verse 27, he talks about a clean mind. In fact, let's read these verses out loud together. Would you read them with me? If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And so when we're talking about putting Scripture into practice, doing what the Bible says, James gives us a pop quiz. How'd you do? Do I have my mouth under control? Do I have a caring heart, especially for orphans and widows? Am I keeping myself pure and clean and unpolluted from the world? James, that's not fair. I wasn't ready for this pop quiz. And that's the whole point. We already know these things. Why in the world then are we not doing them? Again, the bottom line is we must be changed. I like to put it this way. The goal of listening to the Bible is not information. It is transformation. It is not information. It is transformation. Jesus told us in John 13, verse 17, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now, notice that Jesus did not say you'll be blessed if you read them. Or that you'll be blessed if you study them. Or you'll be blessed if you memorize them. Or you'll be blessed if you embroider them and put them up on your wall. (laughs) No, Jesus said you'll be blessed if you do them. Again, the whole purpose of the Bible is not information but transformation. We listen to God's spoken or written word so that we can change. So that we can become all that God wants us to be. So that we can put into practice the principles of God's will. The Bible is the blueprint for our lives. This is the instruction manual for daily living. It's the directions for how life works best. And so this is what we do after we listen to the Bible. We must be changed. The third step to being a better listener is we must be responsive. How do I listen to the Bible? This morning we've taken a closer look at James 1. Verses 19 through 27. Whether we're listening to God's Word in a sermon or we're listening to it in a small group Bible study or we're listening to it on our MP3 or CD player or we're listening to it as we read or study on our own, here are three steps to becoming a better listener. We must be ready before we listen. Consecrated, calm, clean, compliant. We must be reflective while we listen. Committed and consistent. And we must be responsive after we listen, changed. 